It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six the time. It is a Tuesday. Bit on the cool side. Some of you got some drizzle out there. You heard that in Don Day's weather forecast, which we'll have an extended update of the forecast at 645. 745, he joins me live to explain all of that. Yesterday's program, I started off with that congressman who pulled the fire alarm really in order to delay a vote. And the Democrats were trying to pull delay tactics on the floor that wasn't working. This was his brilliant idea. And he had all sorts of lame excuses for pulling the fire alarm. Well, if you don't believe him, apparently, you're just a Nazi. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee. And feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. All right, so here's the latest. It's very typical. If somebody is losing an argument, then what they have to do is throw out things like you're a racist, you're a Nazi, you know, stuff like that. It's all an attempt to get you to shut up, right? Which, in my mind anyway, with me, that doesn't work at all that just urges me on but okay jamal bowman the guy who pulled the fire alarm the story reads okay anyway how do we get to nazi on this one well okay uh the story says representative jamal bowman is circulating a list of talking points to fellow democrats in a bid to stop the gop from trying to punish him after he set off a fire alarm in the House of Representatives during a chaotic spending vote. The New York Democrat pressed security uh, in the memo on Monday afternoon to all of his, uh, I'm sorry, the press secretary said security. The New York Democrat's press secretary sent a memo Monday afternoon to all House Democrat offices requesting that they defend the congressman for the flap over the alarm, which has prompted a Republican to push to sanction him. And this is where, as I said yesterday, really not much happens to the guy after this. I mean, I, if I could run him out of office, I would. If if, I, if Congress had a trigger mechanism to do this, the only thing they can do is sanction, slap on the wrist. Censure is another one where basically they wag their finger and you, you're censured. That's all that. It doesn't do anything really. A copy of the office's communique was obtained by Politico. One suggestion in a response from Bowman's office is about any kind of questions about the incident. Quote, I believe Congressman Bowman, when he says this was an accident. Now, again, we have pictures of this. This is no accident. He moves signs out of the way that say what you know, the door is. And then he walks over purposely and pulls the alarm. 
It goes on to say Republicans need to instead focus their energy on the Nazi members of their party before anything else. So you see, what is happening there is you change the subject. This was an accident. Now change the subject. Accident isn't true. It doesn't fly. But quickly change the subject. And accuse the opposition party of something even worse. You have Nazi members in your party over there. That's what we should focus on to try to change the subject and get eyes off of the congressman. Okay, so the message of guidance from this congressman gets uh, that one shot in of Nazi uh, suggested line defending him taking aim at multiple insurrectionists still floating around Congress and they're worried about him pulling a fire alarm so here's some of the talking points I have it in front of me here it's clear my this is what the Democrats are supposed to say when asked. Okay, so somebody, what about the congressman pulling that fire alarm? It's clear my colleague, Congressman Bowman, was simply rushing to the floor to cast his vote to prevent a shutdown and supporting working class families. You see how they twist that there? And by the way, as I said yesterday, when you take a look at where that door goes, it goes outside. The vote was being held in the other direction. But okay, voting doesn't occur in the Cannon House office building. It only occurs at the Capitol. The alarm uh, going off didn't interrupt our business on the floor uh, in the slightest. The House Republicans are obviously trying to distract from the fact that they cannot govern and that they nearly shut down the federal government for no reason. Okay, um... Well, let's take a look at the number of deflections and lies. Well, we nearly shut down the federal government for no reason. There wasn't no reason. Yeah, a government shutdown actually would be a good thing, not a bad thing. We can go into all the reasons why there. And, and let's talk about our debt, massive spending, things like this is not a shutdown for no good reason. Next, I believe Congressman Bowman, when he says this was an accident... That, of course, is a big steaming pile of buffalo pucky. Republicans need to instead focus their energy on the Nazi members of their party before anything else. Massive deflection there. There are multiple insurrectionist supporters in Congress and more who supported a coup to support Trump's big lie. That's what they should be focused on. Instead, they're focused on Representative Bowman in an attempt to minimize January 6th. Okay. Bowman pulling the alarm had nothing to do with Trump or January 6th. Again, deflection, get your eyes looking at something else. Get you talking about anything else except what he did. He pulled a fire alarm in order to delay a vote. That's what this is about. All that other stuff, those are other topics for another time. We're focused on the congressman pulling the fire alarm. That was not an accident. Finally, the last talking point. I know that we're focused on preventing government shutdown and working toward ensuring everyone has childcare, food on the table, and the ability to thrive. Well, hold on a second here. Um, it is not governments, and I know a lot of people today don't understand this because of the kind of government that our government has become. It is not government's responsibility to assure everyone has childcare. It is not government's responsibility to ensure that you have food on the table. That's your responsibility. And if you're having trouble with that, there's church and civic groups. 
and the ability to thrive. It's not government's responsibility to make sure that everybody thrives. See, these are people that are in government who have this idea that they're supposed to take care of all of those things. And that actually is not what government is there for. Those responsibilities are yours to take care of as a free person in a free country. Now, if you do come across someone who is struggling, that's why we have church and civic groups. So, okay, let me see. Um, Jamal Bannon, I'm pulling the fire alarm. I think this has gotten much attention, but literally rushed to vote. That Okay. Let's see what this this is a video that goes with this. It's on Twitter. You know, I don't know why this has gotten so much attention. I was literally just in a rush to go vote, man. That's all it was. Are you afraid of any repercussions either from leadership or from legally from capital police? I mean, listen, I take responsibility for what I did, you know, but like I said. Hold on. That's one line that I really have. I take responsibility from what I did. Really? Then what are the repercussions of that? Now, let me give you an idea what take, because that's used a lot. Hillary Clinton used that many times. I take responsibility. Great. Let's take her to jail then. And put it to you this way. Let's say that I was wanted for murder, right? I had murdered someone. And the police showed up at my house to arrest me. And as as I enter the door, the police confront me with the warrant for my arrest. And I say, well, I take full responsibility for what I did. Okay, I just admitted to murder. So what are the police going to do? Oh, he took full responsibility. Uh, well, since he took full responsibility, I guess, well, uh, pff, I guess we can go home now because he took responsibility. Or is that an admission of guilt and they then arrest me because I just admitted to murder? I love it when politicians do this. I take full responsibility, which, again, is another deflection here. Taking full responsibility to them means I said I take full responsibility, so you're supposed to shut up and leave me alone now. I was in a rush to go vote, and, uh, you know, the investigation will, will, will sort everything else out. Uh, have you talked to Jeffries about it? Oh, yeah, of course. That's been mm-hmm. How was that conversation? Well, I got to keep that between me and the leader, so I'm not going to share that publicly. Okay. That's where we are, right? And he's getting all sorts of questions from this and on and on it goes. Uh... I just became aware that our message of guidance, there was inappropriate use. Oh, okay. This is also from the congressman. I just became aware that on our messaging guidance, there was inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. Okay. So hang on. So when he sets out that memo asking Democrats, here are the talking points, please use these. Well, you're supposed to point to the Republicans and say, you have a bunch of Nazis in your party. Now, he's saying, well, uh, uh, inappropriate uh, use of the term Nazi without my consent. So he's not going to take responsibility for that, huh? He also sends out on Twitter, Michael Knows is a Nazi on keeping only the white man alive and in power. This shows that he's used the term Nazi many times before. You get the idea of who he really is. Okay. Now, I... Fine. Let's see if anything really happens to him in the long run. I bet you not. 617, wake up my own. Got something to say? Call 888-97-WOODS or chat with Glenn on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app from K2 Radio. Six twenty-four is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. I'm going to get back a little bit later to the story yesterday in Kansas. It's to me, just the perfect story. A coal fire power plant must remain open. 
because they're getting a electric vehicle battery factory in in order to produce enough electricity to make the electricity or the electric vehicle batteries they need a coal fire power plant yeah i have that story in the wake up wyoming site this morning and i mentioned it yesterday i'll get to it a little bit later on here because this it the story just continues it's just too good but i want to take a look at here again there's that congressman who's trying to weasel out of well, he pulled the fire alarm in order to disrupt a vote. And now he's in full denial mode. And again, I don't really think anything will happen to him other than it's some embarrassment for a while. And then life moves on. Because there's never really any consequences for these people, and there should be. But get a load of this. Now, this is also on the Wake Up Wyoming site. It's a story that the headline is crisis averted. So there's some crisis, huh? Crisis averted for now. What could a federal government shutdown mean for Wyoming? Now, this is where I say a lot of good. Please, let's do this so we can sort some things. But let's take a look at what it says, to be fair. Story says, at this time, no federal agencies know how they will be impacted, to what extent, if a shutdown happens. Possible outcomes could mean museum closings. Oh, okay, well, hang on. If museums were making money, they wouldn't have to close. See? So you understand a lot of these museums operate at a loss. If museums were making money, they wouldn't have to close. I am for museums that don't need all sorts of stuff. You know, I hate subsidies anyway. Flight delays. Well, that's because a lot of your... Air traffic controllers are paid by the federal government, but there doesn't have to be flight delays because, remember, most of the government will not shut down during the government shutdown. So we don't have to have that. Uh, postpone passport services. Well, if you try to get a passport, that gets postponed anyway. Big deal. Construction work might come to a grinding halt. Doesn't have to. Again, not necessary if things were being paid up anyway. And we're now, if you're talking road construction, fine. But there's a lot of other federal construction that's useless that could come to a shutdown, and I would love to see that happen. By the way, this is your federal government that wastes billions of dollars every single day on all sorts of useless things they don't need to be spending money on. So let some of that stuff shut down. That's fine. Low-income families could use access to Head Start programs. Uh, no, they get put on hold for a while, but once the government starts up again, it all picks up as normal, so that's okay. WIC and SNAP funding would be at immediate risk. Okay, WIC and SNAP funding. We have church and civic groups who already supply to those people. So if government stop providing WIC and SNAP for food, then that's okay because we have all these church and civic groups out there that do a bang-up job providing. So that's not that's not necessary. Nobody's going to starve. Uh, immigration courts could close. <laughs> and immigration courts have been doing what right now? How, how well have immigration courts really been working? Right. So I don't see that that is a problem either. Non-essential workers are furloughed or temporarily suspended. Well, if they're non-essential, then let's get rid of them. Government should not have non-essential workers. Why would anybody hire, any even private business, hire a non-essential worker? Tax services will be limited, meaning tax refunds uh, could be delayed. Well, they're always delayed anyway, so no big deal. Millions of federal employees and military service members will not get paid until the shutdown is ended. 
Okay, now those people should be prioritized. So just take the money that your government wastes and put it toward them. Small Business Administration would stop processing new applications for major loan programs. Government should not be involved in major loan programs. That should be a private sector thing. You, you see what I'm saying? All of this, all these horrible, this is a crisis. It's not a crisis. All of these horrible things might or might not happen, but it's okay. Trust me, we can do without this. All right, coming up on local news, update on your weather forecast. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Join the show at 888-97-WOODS. Six thirty-six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So Mason is in Casper. Since I was talking about the possibility of a government shutdown, they got 45 days to fix this. And, of course, they won't. I say that from experience. So one of the things the Republicans were trying to shoot for is no more money for Ukraine. That's enough. We've sent them enough. Mason and Casper asked, what is the total for Ukraine so far? The latest I can find since the war began, it says the Biden administration and U.S. Congress have directed about $75 billion in assistance to Ukraine, which includes humanitarian, financial, military support. More of that. Okay, so that's the estimate so far, about $75 billion. And so we'll see if Congress decides to step it up anymore or not. But my main point when it comes to the crisis of a government shutdown, they have borrowed, even though Biden was saying, I've cut the deficit. No, he didn't. It was vastly the opposite of that, as he and Congress borrowed massive amounts of money, trillions and trillions of dollars. And they're out of that already? How are we in another budget crisis? I don't understand. They're out of that already within a year. We don't have any more? Really? Where did all that go? And when you find out where all of it goes, the vast amount of waste and fraud, and then they're begging for more money. And at some point, it's important just to say, well, stop. That's enough. That's just absolutely enough. No more. And then the idea of a crisis... Like the article I was just reading from a moment ago that says, well, it would have been a crisis for Wyoming or any other state or for the nation. It's a crisis if the government shuts down. We can't have a government shutdown. Those in government want you to think that we can't exist without them. But actually, most of what they do can be shut down just fine. Like, for example, it said, well, they have the government uh, SNAP and WIC programs, which help hungry families. Right. We also have church and civic groups out there that do a phenomenal job. And also local, even local government helps out too. But church and civic groups all over help out. And they do a much better job at it, as I've explained many times in the past, than government ever could at feeding people. So if a couple of government programs were to provide a little bit of food were to go away, it really wouldn't affect the situation at all. And there's so many other programs that government gets involved in, you know, that these things might not work. These things might not get paid. We'll do fine without it. We already do. Many of the programs that are listed, these programs might get shut down, don't matter anyway and could go away. But I especially love that they're going to send home all but essential workers. Well, your government is supposed to be all but essential workers. I mean, think about where you work. 
Think about any company out there, a private company. Does a private company have a non-essential worker? Well, some do when, for example, the boss's son has to be hired, right, for a uh, no-show job or, or some other family member or something like that goes on where we'll, we'll go ahead and help a family member out, give them a useless job. That does happen some in private sector, but mostly not. The vast majority of companies, no matter what kind of company you might be thinking of, everybody they have is essential. And if they figure out that a job can be done away with, automated or just not exist anymore, then they go ahead and close that. Send that person home. Sorry, don't need you anymore. Although, don't worry, that person, if they're anywhere along the lines of an intelligent human being, will go ahead and find the skill and get a job and, and they'll be good. That's often the case. Someone loses a job. Well, that's not working out. Maybe I should try something different. But the idea that, well, we, you know, government has a bunch of non-essential workers. Why would government have non-essential workers? Because it's government. They hire a bunch of non-essential workers. And even those that they call essential, we could debate what essential is. We certainly can. Because there's a lot of companies out there that have gotten, they've really streamlined. But government never does. Government keeps hiring more and more people, and many of them are for no-show jobs. Brandon is in Hot, Hot Springs, Hawk Springs, sorry. We will get paid back for what we have given to Ukraine. Yeah, okay. And I've heard that argument uh, too that, you know, you may not be in favor of supporting the war in Ukraine, but would you rather go there and fight it yourself? It is one of the arguments that I hear there. So, okay. We have sent a lot to Ukraine. My only concern with sending money to Ukraine is Ukraine's government is very corrupt. And so a lot of the money that we send to Ukraine ends up disappearing into Ukraine with really very little result. And that's been my main concern. When we send them something, let's not send them actual cash. Um, I worry about that. Instead, let's send stuff that goes directly to the battlefield and gets used. Sending them a bunch of cash, you know what happens with a corrupt government in cash. That's entire time has been my concern. 642 Wake Up Wyoming. Take Glenn anywhere with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox where a well-showered Frank Gambino is standing by. Ask me if I'm happy. No, yeah, I I already, I can tell. Are you happy, Frank? Ask me if I'm happy. Are you happy? No! Okay. (laughs) Frank is not happy. His uh, office was being showered. We were just, just on. trying to clean this, the place up, Frank. It was just it's better. Than, I'm not happy. No, he's not happy. No. What happened, folks, is the upstairs toilets at this building uh, decided to go on a rampage, and the water leaked from the bathrooms upstairs down into his office and rained on him. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. That's what happened. Your your work area is wet. I would suggest moving your desk over to the other corner of your office. There's there's, there's no room. There's no room. Okay. Why well, just move stuff around, Frank? There's, no, I, no, no. I know no, they've no. turned your office into a storage closet. Yeah. Okay. And, I understand uh, that. Yeah. yeah. And there's you know water all over the lamp, all over my desk, all over the floor, everything uh-huh. on underneath my floor. Is this yeah. bathroom water? <laughs> uh, yeah. 
It's bathroom water. It, it, yeah. Really? Yes. So, yeah. Sorry about that. Well, I came fresh. It wasn't from the septic. It came from the, the bowl up top. Oh, well, that's clean bathroom yes, water. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So at least that's a little bit better. And then it was filtered through the flooring and all of the insulation. So that must have done something to help clean it up, Frank. So it shouldn't be. Really? After um, uh, they clean up the bowl, too? I'm trying to be helpful, Frank. I'm trying to be helpful here. But okay. Now, so anyway, you, but your seat wasn't, everything behind you is wet, right? No. Oh. Just where I am. Just where you are specifically. What really got me was the light fixture above your head had water in it. And that's yeah, dangerous. Yeah, and I'm going to keep it on. Okay. Now, I, that's highly dangerous here. So this is, the water stopped leaking, so why? Why, okay. why should I turn it off? Yeah. I, no. Okay. That's that's fine. I, You know, it happened about 4 o'clock this morning when all of that. And I was fighting the battle because I was up there when it started to overflow, and I had to mop out, and I was fighting the whole thing. I lost the battle. Oh, I know. And I, I appreciate all your efforts. I, I was waiting for the octopus tentacles to come out of the commode and pull me in. That's how bad it was. Wow. So I left a note for the boss and just said, here we go again. So from now on, I'm going to go, at, whenever I need the urge strikes me, I'm just going to go outside to the Platte River where all of the drug addicts hang out. Yeah. I mean, they're already going out there anyway. Well, right. Yeah. Just just go down the hill. Nobody will see Nobody you. will see a thing. I'll just do that. That way, this should never, at least if it ever happens to you again, it's not because I hit the plunger. It's, no, no, no. I'm, I don't blame you. All right. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys with a huge game on Saturday in Laramie. They'll host 24th-rated Fresno State. The folks are coming off a 35-26 home win over New Mexico over the weekend in Laramie. A game that saw John Hoyland kick four field goals and running back Harrison Whaley rushing for 191 yards on 18 carries with a touchdown. On defense safety, Wyatt Eckler was named the Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Week after he registered two sacks. The uh, second one, he just tagged New Mexico's quarterback, forcing a fumble that he recovered. It's a pretty good play. UW is five and a half point underdogs in the game. That is a 6 p.m. start on Saturday from War Memorial Stadium. High school volleyball over the weekend. First on Friday in 4A. Larry B. Campbell County, three sets to none. Thunder Basin over Cheyenne South, three to nothing. Natron over Cheyenne Central, three to one. Cheyenne Cent East be does Sheridan, three sets to none. Then on Saturday, Larry over Thunder Basin, three nothing. Kelly Walsh beat Rivers in three to one. Campbell County over Cheyenne South, three nothing. Sheridan over Central, three nothing. And Cheyenne East beat Natron, three sets to Two junior college volleyball. Casper College has won eight in a row at victories over Western Wyoming and Gillette College over the weekend. The Birds sit at seventeen and nine uh, right now. That's a big improvement over last season. They'll be at Eastern Wyoming and Torrington on Friday. The L Triple C volleyball team from Cheyenne rated eighteenth in the country. They beat Northwest DePaul and Central Wyoming over the weekend. So the Golden Eagles are nineteen and four. They will host Western Nebraska tonight in Division One college volleyball. The Wyoming Cowgirls started out eleven and zero and then proceeded to lose their first four Mountain West Conference matches. They lost to. UNLV on Thursday and San Diego State on Saturday in four sets. UW will host rival Colorado State tonight in Laramie at 6.30. And in Major League Baseball, the playoffs start today with the wild card round. This is the best of three deal. In the National League, Milwaukee will host Arizona. Miami will be at Philadelphia. In the American League, in the wild card round, Texas will be at Tampa Bay and Toronto will be at Minnesota. And that's it in sports. Okay, so where do you put UW football at right now considering... You know, the, the wins and losses they've had so far. They're right where, right where they, most people expected them to be. Okay. You know, okay. My, I think even the Texas Tech game, maybe, you know, may, may have been a surprise. Then again, maybe not. Right. You know, so, you know what? They're four and one, and that's, that's right where, where they should be. Okay. Beating Texas and Austin would have been a monumental thing anyway. 
they're right there. Fresno State's the defending league champion, like we said yesterday. Wyoming is going to find out on Saturday who they are, what they are, and why they are. Okay. This is it. Do, do you think they – I bet the coach understands. Has he explained to the team by now how big this of a deal this could be? Huge. Okay. All right. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Yep. Well, I didn't until just now. So but I, I've been now in the loop. I appreciate that, Frank. No problem. Okay, go grab a towel and go back down. Yeah. All right. Let's wake up, Wyoming. It's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. All right, 888-97 was the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. From Cowboy State Daily, the headline kind of caught me by surprise here. Governor Gordon rejects $5 million from Biden to shut oil wells down. What the heck was that? All right, here's what the story says. Governor Mark Gordon doesn't want any part of President Joe Biden's plan to reduce carbon dioxide emissions by curtailing oil production. Now, if I could just talk, because Governor and I had a talk about this on air, if I could just talk him out of this whole carbon sequestration nonsense. But all right, <clears throat> to get rid of it, this is where our our friend Dave from San Francisco called and wanted to know why we weren't doing more to get the oil from Saudi Arabia that we needed. He said, why when we have all this oil right here in our own backyard? Now, let me read that again. Governor Mark Gordon doesn't want any part of President Joe Biden's plan to reduce carbon dioxide emissions by curtailing oil production. Really? <clears throat> I hadn't heard anything about this till now. Gordon announced Monday, yesterday, he will reject $5 million from the Biden administration, earmarked to shut down low-volume oil wells, often referred to as stripper wells. Now, right away, when I think of a stripper well, I think of uh, some of the uh, low-quality strip clubs that Wyoming has, many of them that have closed down. Many of those businesses have closed down in Wyoming. But I always did enjoy driving somewhere out in the prairie and looking out and seeing, oh, wow, look at that dirty, beat-up, run-down old building. Oh, that's a business? It's open? Oh, my Lord. It's a strip club? Is that where the one-legged stripper is? Anyway, that's what I always think of. But, no, that's not what he's talking about. Stripper wells. The administration is using Federal Inflation Reduction Act money, which even the president admitted was a lie. It had nothing to do with reducing inflation. In fact, it helped to increase inflation. He's using that money to provide incentives to states to shut down certain oil wells. So not all oil wells everywhere, just those lower volume ones. According to the EPA... The misnamed Inflation Reduction Act provides new avenues to reduce methane emissions from the petroleum and natural gas sector through a methane emission reduction program. The program offers $350 million to states under the umbrella of reducing methane emissions. 
The stripper well is defined as producing maximum daily average of no more than 15 barrels a day or more than uh, 90,000 cubic feet of natural gas per day during 12 consecutive months. According to the governor's office, the stripper well provides about 10% of the state's oil production and generates about $265 million annual revenue to Wyoming. So according to the National Stripper Well Association, stripper wells make up about 7.4% of U.S. oil production. But again, that's about 10% of the state's oil production here in Wyoming. They also produce less than 90,000 cubic feet per day, yet account for about 8.2% of natural gas production. So let's hold on and take a look at that for a minute. You might say that a stripper well itself doesn't produce a lot. But when you consider how many of those wells are out there across the country, the volume ends up turning to, to be considerable. Okay. So this is where you got to stop and think about it a bit. Oh, well, that one well doesn't do a lot. No, but I've got about 10,000 of those little wells, so it's doing a lot. All right, so you understand. Quote, this approach concocted by D.C. bureaucrats, said the governor, shows a complete disregard for the importance of this industry to Wyoming's economy, Gordon said in a press release. There are wells that have and will continue to produce significant amounts of oil, provide jobs for hundreds of small businesses, and generate revenue for schools, the state, and local government. So the governor even said without funding, Wyoming will lead the nation in plugging abandoned and orphan wells as of 2014, Wyoming had about 1,200 abandoned wells. Since coal bed methane gas boom at the uh, early 2000s, about uh, 2,500 wells were drilled annually. Wyoming has spent about $35 million plugging orphan wells. The orphan well program is funded by bonds provided by oil and gas operations. So in other words, and then also some taxes uh, paid on sale of oil and gas. But this is where Wyoming wised up and made it a point that if you're going to open up a mine or a oil or gas well, then you have to put something aside. So should your company go belly up, that's okay. We can handle this. If your company goes belly up, we can still take care of those orphan orphan wells and the company that was running those wells and put them in place in the first place are the ones who have the money to fix it. And same thing goes, by the way, for your wind and solar power. Wyoming was smart enough to make a rule that you want to put some uh, solar panels up? We'll go ahead and put some solar panels. Some wind turbines too? That's fine. You're going to put money aside. So if you guys go bankrupt, when the federal government subsidies run out and you guys go bankrupt... It'll be okay because money was set aside to take those things down. So, all right. Since the, let me see, a 2022 study from the Wyoming State Geological Survey found it would take up to about 144 years for the state's aquifers to recover from the boom. The calculated times of recovery, which vary from 20 to 144 years, that's a big gap means the value of the year. Well, it talks about the values of the years and calculations. But let's go back to why the governor turned that down in the first place. Because, again, here's where the Biden administration is filled with a bunch of non-thinkers. Just a ton of non-thinkers. Well, that one 
oil well or that one natural gas well isn't producing much, so we should shut it down. No, that one doesn't produce much, but we have many of them. Therefore, it equals a lot of production, and that's a lot of jobs. And where a lot of people don't understand, right away you hear big oil. Whenever whenever you hear natural gas or oil, you hear big oil companies. Uh, Well, there are a few big oil companies out there that do take up a large share of the market. What they don't understand is most oil companies out there are not big. They're little mom-and-pop operations. They're small operations out there. That's the bulk of oil and natural gas production across the country. Small operations. Some of them is just a, a small family, a group of people that you'll see. They'll all arrive in one truck and work their wells. That's how many people are in the entire company because it's a locally owned company, sometimes a family owned company. And so the idea that, well, it's big oil, it's big, you, well, again, you, you're not accounting for the rest of it. It usually comes down to people who are making, drawing conclusions, I should say, but never really stopping to think about how something works or ask questions about how something works. This is why yesterday I got into a story that in Kansas, there's a town that was all excited because they have a factory that's going to open up that's going to make batteries for electric cars. Sounds exciting, right? In order to do that, they have they were going to shut down a coal power plant. Shut it down in favor of wind and solar power. But now they're going to keep the coal power plant operational. They're going to need it in order to run the factory that makes batteries for electric vehicles. There's no way they can run the factory that makes batteries for electric vehicles unless they have enough reliable electricity at an affordable price. And the only place currently to get that is a coal-fired power plant, which is already up and running. Which has environmentalists absolutely fuming. Well, we want to keep that stuff in the ground. Got news for you. You can't make wind or solar or electric cars without petroleum and coal. Petroleum goes into a lot of what is wind and solar and electric vehicles, but also coal. Besides having reliable electricity to make these things, oftentimes coal is one of the minerals that goes into. Like you can't make a solar panel without putting coal into it. That's one of the important minerals that goes into actually making the panel. And their idea is, well, we're going to shut all of this down and keep it in the ground. Well, once again, these decisions are being made by people who have never stopped for a moment to actually look into how things work. Hello, Red. He's in Casper. Also, the plan is to increase the cost of oil and gas costs right before the winter so we can do a better job strangling the American citizens. Yes, that was the plan. 716, wake up. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Make your voice heard at 888-97-WOODS. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. 721's the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming, ladies and gentlemen, your favorite song. I like guns. I like the way they look. I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale. Hell, I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns. Hang on, hang on. Okay, I'm going to put this story aside because Steve is calling in. Now, Steve, I had everybody all excited for a story about guns, but because of you, we're going to put that aside. Just so you know, I'm prioritizing you, Steve. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I feel honored. Okay. So I you... do like the idea of guns, but you were talking yes. about uh, electric vehicles or not, and you have to have coal-fired power plants. Yeah, it's right. all true. When you go to a charging station, that electricity comes from coal-fired yeah. power plants, etc. My point is, is that the political left and everybody else forever has been calling it fossil fuels. Right. Where whenever you go to a dinosaur dig, you don't find oil underneath there. That's exactly right. And we... We really need to change the wording to organic fuels because coal, oil, and gas are organic. Right. Fossil fuel, that term is being used, oh, it's dirty, it's filthy, it's cesspool, mm-hmm. it's just gross. And But organic, which is true, uh, it is clean, it's healthy, sustainable, you know, it's pollution-free, that sort of stuff. So when they start mm-hmm. saying fossil fuels, we have to change it. Otherwise, they control you know, you call, you if you control the language, you sure. control everything. And what you're so saying now, I've been say, no, no, make, it's organic fuels. I've been making the case for quite some time on organic fuels, but also I refuse to say when it comes to wind or solar or electric cars that they're clean or green or sustainable or reliable or affordable. They're none of that. They're the opposite of all of that. And what drives me nuts is when I read stories and do a little bit of homework for this program. Even conservative writers for conservative publications still say green, sustainable, you know, words like that and will use fossil fuel. And I've been sending some of these writers notes in emails. Well, I can find their email after they've written the article. Would you please stop doing that? Would you please call it organic fuels? And for that matter, if you want to call anything dirty, call wind and solar and electric cars dirty because they are. That's great. I mean, I've been trying to tell people to say organic all the time. I've yeah. even written uh, the legislature and uh, our representatives in, in Washington, organic, organic, organic. And I'm trying to get the uh, Laramie County GOP to start using that language, too. So I'm really glad that uh, that you're doing that because we've really got to change the narrative. Uh, not yeah. only that, but we need to change, like they say, reproductive uh, rights where it's got to be reproductive responsibility. Right. So well, we got to take the language back on so many of them. Sure. So, and fact, then on um, the gun stuff, go ahead. Uh, I keep thinking, we shouldn't, should we be talking about gun control or crime control? Somebody says, that's well, we need yeah. gun control because nobody wants their guns controlled. Yeah. And I go, well, it's not the gun, as you've mentioned so many times, it's the people. Right. And so it's the violence and the crime control. So what do you think about uh, how do we change that narrative? That's a good. I'd like your idea of crime control or self-defense, for that matter. Yeah, there's a lot of words that we can use instead. And, say, and I even hate it when they say gun crime. Because if somebody commits a murder and they used a gun, well, it was a gun crime. Well, what if they used a knife? What if they used a hammer? What if they ran someone with over? If they run someone over with a car, is it a car crime? They never say that, though. But yeah. it's a gun crime as soon as they pick up a gun. That's something else I'd like to change as well, because I think your main point is we have to start seizing control of the language because the language is a type of propaganda. Oh, yeah. And was it last uh, last Christmas that that red car drove through the Christmas parade mm-hmm. and they said, oh, it was the red car that did it and they didn't yeah. say it was the guy that did right. it? Yeah. Rush so, Limbaugh I'm used to make the point uh, every time an SUV was involved in an incident. They wrote the article in such a way that made it sound like the SUV suddenly developed sentience and went after human beings or caused some kind of a disaster. Yeah, so I yeah. stand with you 100%. And I'm going right. to keep on promoting uh, the uh, change of uh, 
of narrative so that it's uh, organic yeah. feels, uh, reproductive responsibilities, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. So All we're right. on the same page, and if we can get our elected officials to really push it, even in Washington, and even our Laramie County GOP to do that, yeah. uh, that would be a good step forward. All Thank right. you, Glenn. Thank you for calling, Steve. That's a great call. So now, I, uh, several things I wanted to go off on a tangent on while Steve was calling, but let me get to what he was really talking about. Because we can get into why we say organic fuels and not fossil fuels. And I've done almost an entire four hours on that and had some people question me, well, wait a second, that's not true. Because you heard your entire life that it's a fossil fuel, but it, it's not. It has nothing to do with fossils. It's organic fuels. And that's dirty. And that uh, wind and solar and electric cars are clean. And again, that's not. But what he's talking about primarily is the narrative, the use of the language. And it does drive me absolutely nuts when even conservatives that we elect to public office will say fossil fuels. And I would love to get through to them. Please quit saying that because it's not. And they still refer to wind and solar and electric cars as clean, green, sustainable energy. But it's not. So quit saying that. They still refer to CO2 as a pollutant. But it's not a pollutant. In fact, life on Earth depends on it. This is not a pollutant. Without CO2, this is a dead planet. So, no, we don't have a climate crisis going on. And I hear that from conservatives. Publications as well as elected officials, they will mention the climate crisis. Okay, so you're adopting their language now? Steve is absolutely correct. You control the language, it's a type of propaganda. So don't let them have that. That's why a while ago I started getting a little tired of it, which is not just on the air, but even in person. If we're talking about coal, gas, and oil, or wind and solar and stuff like that, you will hear me say organic fuels, you know, for example. You'll hear me say wind and solar and electric cars, but you'll never hear me say clean, green, or sustainable, or affordable, or reliable. None of those words are true when it comes to wind and solar and electric cars. They're none of those things. It's the opposite of that. But even that, and he's right, gun violence, well, if somebody, every year, somebody gets run over and murdered by a car, somebody, well, not by the car, by the driver of the car, every year, a somebody will decide to murder somebody else, and they'll use their car to do it. Do we call that car violence? Do we need car control? Yeah. How many people are killed by knives or blunt objects every year? But we don't call it knife violence or blunt object violence. We just call that murder. So you can see the narrative here that they're going for. And many libertarians and conservatives, people in the media, politicians, fall for it. It's a type of propaganda that you're falling for. Coming up on 7.30. Local news coming your way. Right after local news, update on your weather forecast. Then you and I get back into it again. Wake up, Wyoming. It's 
7.36 the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Okay, that gun story that I was going to get to before Steve called in. Connecticut limits number of handguns law-abiding citizens can purchase. This is not going to stand up in court. It really is, but let's take a look at the story. On Sunday, Connecticut's new gun control limiting the number of handguns a law-abiding citizen can purchase each month went into effect. Now, let's not purchase total purchase each month. National Public Radio reported the state Senate president, you're going to love this, the state Senate president, Martin Looney, Democrat. His name, see, I okay, I have not had such an enjoyable name. Yeah, I, and we have to go back a ways. Anthony Weiner, and the fact that he was just a child sex pervert and his name was Weiner. That just was beautiful. I thanked the radio gods daily for the show prep. This is brilliant. This guy, a Democrat, and his name is Martin Looney. Oh, that's per. I hope he runs for Congress. I need him in there. Anyway, was praised by the new restrictions. Many not satisfied with it. He wants to pursue further limits on monthly gun purchases. Now, let's take a look at that. Not gun purchases total for how many guns you can own, but how many you can buy per month. What exactly is that supposed to solve, honestly? I mean, if you already have one gun, you can do what you got to do. But I, purchasing per month does what to solve what? Exactly. I don't see how that solves anything. Plus, if somebody wanted to purchase more, do you think they would be able to despite the law? Oh, I guarantee you they can. Breitbart News noted that Maryland dropped its uh, micro-stamping program in 2015 after trying unsuccessfully to solve crimes via micro-stamping technology. It failed completely. Maryland spent about $5 million on the micro-stamping program and did not solve any crimes with it. In addition to limits on the number of handguns law-abiding citizen can purchase every month, Connecticut also placed a ban on open carry which, again, is unconstitutional, and that will be challenged, and it's already been overturned. Connecticut against gun violence, Jeremy Stein, wants Democrats and the state legislators to secure more gun control. We will not take a break. We cannot stop. Now, hang on just a second, though. Let's go back to what I was talking about with Steve. So we call it gun violence. When someone is killed and a gun was used, it's called gun violence. What about, and this happens every year, Somebody wants to murder somebody else, so they run them over with their car. Do we call that car violence? Somebody wants to murder somebody else, so they grab a knife and stab them. Do we call that knife violence? Somebody was beaten to death with a blunt object. Do we call that blunt object violence? But as soon as they pick up a gun. All right. And so Stein did not say how safety is increased by limiting the number of guns a law-abiding citizen can purchase during the course of a month. See, again, they do this and that, that'll show them, really, it won't solve anything. It might, for some people, slow the purchases. But then again, there's so many other ways to buy guns where you can just get around that law. So what will that actually stop or solve? Nothing. Can it be challenged in court? Yes. Will it be? Yes. And we already have rulings on this from the court anyway, so this just gets overturned. This is every bit, in my mind, every bit as bad as a New Mexico governor saying, well, I'm going to suspend for 30 days the Second Amendment in Albuquerque. 
And, of course, that was immediately challenged. The district attorney, the police chief, the sheriff of the county, we're not enforcing that. It's unconstitutional. Then it goes to court, and the court says you can't do that. It's unconstitutional. State constitutional, federal constitutional. You can't do that. But also, it was even even the governor of that state admitted, not that it would actually do anything. Yeah, really, not that it actually would do anything. She even admitted, the governor, after passing, or she didn't pass anything, she signed an executive order and then flat out admitted, this isn't actually going to do anything. Then why are you doing it? What's the point of all of this? This goes back to as far as I'm concerned. If you really want to solve the problem, I don't care about the tool that was used. I care about the person that actually committed the crime that wants to commit murder. Jim and Laramie. So what do you call it when somebody kills somebody else using a car? Road rage? Well, I count. I see where you're going with that. I count road rage if... It happened because vehicle drivers, let's say on the highway, get mad at each other over their driving techniques, and then it leads to road rage. I I can see calling that road rage. But what if you just wanted to kill somebody? It had nothing to do with road rage. You just wanted to kill somebody. And so you decided, hey, there they are, and there's my car. I'm going to hop in my car. I'm going to run them over. Yeah. Is that car violence? The moment they pick up a gun, it's gun violence. So, 742, wake up. Wake up, Wyoming. Glenn Woods is live on AM 1030 K2 Radio and the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. 745 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don Day from Dayweather. Nice, easy sprinkles have been moving across the state of Wyoming. Gosh, it almost seems like fall, Don. Yeah, golly. Yeah, okay. Well, now with that, I noticed... The cooler temperatures out there. So it's a slight cool damp. And how long does that stick with us? Well, we're going to be uh, certainly going to be cool for the rest of the week. Today is probably the, the cloudiest, coolest, most unsettled day that we'll have over the next three or four days. Uh, but it will certainly be soupy, especially up north and in the west. Uh, just took a look at the webcams. We've got it snowing over Togety Pass, up over Burgess Junction. Teton Pass is showing a pretty good amount of snow. And the northern and western mountains will have snow showers most of the day and even into early tonight. On the plains, it's kind of a mixed bag. There'll be sun, there'll be wind, there'll be clouds. Temperatures are are just going to be in the 50s, the far west only in the 40s. Now, tomorrow we clear out. It'll be a dry, cool day, pretty nice, just just cool. And then we have this Canadian cold front pushing in Thursday and Friday that will have a little bit of cloudiness and a few showers with it. But really, it's more than anything. It's just a reinforcement of some cool temperatures that'll take us through Friday. See, this is really weird. We had a really nice spring, really, really nice summer. We get into the fall, and it seems to just be easing on in. Well, I think that is a good way to describe it. We Mm. certainly haven't had one of those hammers that can sometimes come down in September. I mean, I can tell you many years where we've had a significant snowfall in the first week of September, and we went through most of the month of September with really barely anything. So it has been a nice fall season. Okay. That's why everybody every so often will crack open their door and look outside and go, is it coming yet? Is it coming yet? Well, at some point, is it coming? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's coming uh, in the meantime. And what is is nice, though, is that, to your point about easing, uh, this week is a transition. I mean, last week you couldn't couldn't draw it up any better. Right. for this time of year, and we are transitioning now that the month of October has started, and 
those nights are really getting long now, and that that just all starts to add up. Okay. Well, I don't mind that so much because, see, my window faces in my bedroom due west. And so you better believe I have to black that out in order to get some sleep in the middle of summertime. But we've reached the time of year that when I go to bed, it's already getting dark out there. So that's nice. Keeps our nice time. Nighttime temperatures nice and cold. We can sleep with the windows open. Uh, but we're still waiting for the wind to hit, too. At some point, that's got to happen, right? Yeah. yeah okay. We're going to have a little bit of wind, but nothing too bad. All right. Thank you, Don. Don Day with Day Weather. See, now, there's Don being all nice about it, but... Fact of the matter is, we're all just waiting for it to happen at some point. Off we go to the icebox. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Frank, I see this headline. Mammoth 579-yard drive at Rollins Golf Club receives a world record. He's... uh Whoever this guy, I, I saw it briefly. Yeah. You know, the guys, they have long driving contests in golf. So, I mean, the mm-hmm. shaft is for the golf club is just long and huge. Yeah. And some of these guys launch the ball, you know, for 400, 450, 579. Is that what it was? Yeah. I mean, it, it must have been windy. Uh, and you get a little okay. bit of altitude going and like, and, and then, you know, yeah. and then in Wyoming, yeah. the ground is something, it's not, it's hard. Oh, okay. You know, so you get a lot of roll yeah. and a lot of bounce there, but 579. Wow, that's really huge. Now, this is something I was wondering about with the kind of variables. First off, they want to do it in Rollins, so that means higher altitude. And I assume that when they do this, they're not going to hit the ball into the wind. No, they'll so, go with it if, they, if, if there is a wind at all. But, but, yeah. but in Rollins, it's always windy. Oh, sure. Now, so in order to reach some kind of an official record, wouldn't you have to say you have to be at this altitude, at this temperature, at this kind of a wind direction, and so on and so on? I'm not sure that all qualifies for that, to be honest with you. I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to check that, you know. And normally, you know, there's people way out there, you know, and you got to hit it in the fairway. Mm-hmm. That, that that's the thing. You just can't just, just you crush these balls, and they're way, 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 way over yeah. there. You got to hit them straight, and you you know get a GPS thing, and okay. you know it's it's, it's down well, to the see, inch. Now there was another question I had. There was okay, so you can hit it that far, but did it actually go where you were aiming? That I think that's, is a big deal. Yeah, that's the thing. So, so you got to hit it. You got to hit it in the fairway. Okay. So, so the answer would be yes. Yeah. Okay. So let me see. This gentleman outdrives them all. Okay. And it's gone, okay, uh, we have, okay, it talks about how, how they plan this whole thing out. There's a whole story on Cowboy State Daily. Uh, he played the Rollins course for a few years before oh. he decided to go out and do this and take part. I wonder if this winds up anywhere like in the Guinness's World Book of Records or Possibly. something. Possibly. Like you, yeah. you know what, but in golf, you, you drive for show and putt for dough. So, okay. so does he have any touch around the green? Can he putt? Can yeah. He chip? Okay. So there. Okay. There's the next thing. There was a, some years ago. I want to say back in the '80s, there was a golfer that really was known for his incredibly long drives. But then some people complained. Yeah, but he doesn't have a short game. Yeah. Right. And and that's what really did him. I, I remember he was popular in the news for a while because of these long drives. But because he never really won a whole lot, it's not to say he never won anything, but he didn't win a whole lot of tournaments. And because of that, he eventually just sort of faded away. So, yeah, you got to put the whole package together, including the short game. Exactly.
College football the Wyoming Cowboys with a gigantic game on Saturday in Laramie. They will host number 24, Fresno State, at War Memorial Stadium. The folks are coming off a 35-26 home win over New Mexico over the weekend in Laramie, a game where that saw John Hoyland kick four field goals, running back Harrison Whaley with 191 yards rushing on 18 carries and a touchdown. On defense, safety Wyatt Eckler was named the Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Week. He registered two sacks. That second one, he just tagged New Mexico's quarterback, forcing a fumble and he recovered the loose ball. It's a pretty good play. UW five and a half point underdogs in the game. That is a 6 p.m. start on Saturday night from War Memorial Stadium. High school volleyball from over the weekend. First on Friday in 4A. Laramie beat Campbell County three sets to none. Thunder Basin over Cheyenne South three sets to none. Natrona beat Cheyenne Central 3-1. Cheyenne East over Sheridan 3 nothing. Then on Saturday, Laramie over Thunder Basin 3 to nothing. Kelly Walsh beat Riverton 3 to 1. Campbell County over Cheyenne South 3 nothing. Sheridan beat Central three sets to none. And Cheyenne East beating Natrona three sets to two. Junior college volleyball, Casper College has won eight in a row at victories over Western Wyoming from Rock Springs and Gillette College over the weekend. Birds sit at 17 and nine. That's a huge improvement over last season. And they'll be at Eastern Wyoming College in Torrington coming up on Friday. The C volleyball team from Cheyenne, they're rated 18th in the country and beat Northwest DePaul and Central Wyoming over the weekend. The Golden Eagles are 19 and four. They will host Western Nebraska tonight. Division one college volleyball, the Wyoming Cowgirls who started out the season 11 and 0 and then proceeded to lose their First four Mountain West Conference matches. They lost to UNLV on Thursday and San Diego State on Saturday in four sets. UW will host rival Colorado State tonight in Laramie at 6.30. Major League Baseball, the playoffs start today in the wild card round. This is the best of three deal. In the National League, Milwaukee will host Arizona. Miami will be at Philadelphia in the American League wild card round. Texas will be at Tampa Bay and Toronto will be at Minnesota. That's it in sports. Okay, so... Let me see. How much longer do we have until your Rockies are finally just they're done? done. They're, they're, oh, they're done. They're out. Yeah, they're done. So I don't have to listen to you complain anymore? No, about no, 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 about them. No, I'll, I'll find something else to complain about. Oh, okay, good. But, but, but we don't okay, have to complain yeah. about them we anymore about because them anymore. They're, okay. they're done. I can complain about this. Yeah. You know, the water in my office. Okay. You know what? It was a personal record, Glenn, uh-huh. for how long it took to walk in the door at work uh-huh. And be completely aggravated. Oh, wow. I just timed it. How yes. long it got from the front door to my office? Yes, eleven seconds. Eleven seconds. You were completely annoyed. Well, eleven seconds. You know there are people that are annoyed the moment they pull in within sight of the station. <laughs> I know. But you actually have to walk into <laughs> no, no, your no, no, office. No, 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 no. I, I count when you actually okay. physically come in the door. I actually I can say this for myself because of my personality type, and this is a lot of this is very intentional. I was not even mad when I was trying to mop it up and stop everything from when it. When I was being attacked by the bathroom, mm-hmm. I was not in a bad mood. Oh, I I appreciate yeah. your valiant efforts yes. to prevent uh, a, a okay. major catastrophe here. Okay, and yet even though I got my butt kicked by the commode. I <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, okay. Okay. next time. Yeah, yeah, next time. Uh, thank you, Frank. Now, seriously, I, one of our upstairs toilets just exploded during the course of the morning, and I tried to fight, and I just completely lost. I just sad. So wake up, Wyoming. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Okay, so when I was a kid, 
My mom, some of you will remember this name, many of you won't. My mom used to read all sorts of books by a guy named Yule Gibbons. Any kind of Yule Gibbons book worked for any part of the country, and you could grab one of these thick uh, paperback books, walk into the woods somewhere, and just go foraging around for all sorts of things that are edible or had other value to it. And that's where she started. And then she, of course, liked to garden, make her own soap. She never wanted to totally check out on modern civilization, but she just liked the way of sort of balancing it with some things that we could do more independently, which is why we got a cabin up in the Carolina mountains so we can get away and cook on a wood stove, things like that. I think today a lot of people are so tied up in a high-tech, fast-paced world that they forget to breathe like that. And I'm glad my mom did because it made the whole family breathe. Jill Winger is most known if you if you hear me talk about Chugwater, Wyoming, and, of course, the soda fountain there. She's the owner of the soda fountain, which, by the way, Jill, I am still – I just love every time I go through Chugwater. I have to stop for a malt or breakfast or lunch, and I love what you did with the place. It looks fantastic. So – Way to go. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm probably putting your kids through college by the amount of times I stop to get a malt, but then I have to go work it off. So, uh, all exactly, right. Exactly, yep. Yeah. So now, your book, you and your husband, you homestead. Now, how did you and your husband get into homesteading? Where did that start? It was it was really accidental, honestly. We uh, didn't know what it was. We started uh, looking for a property, our first house back in 2008, and we knew, we knew we didn't want the typical little house in town next to Walmart. We just wanted something a little different, and what we found in our budget was a tumble-down old farm Mm -hmm. uh, about 40 miles north of Cheyenne, and that was what we could afford. And so we didn't have grand aspirations of being a little house on the prairie. We just bought this place and figured we could make it a home. And then right along that same time frame, I was struck with this kind of a stroke of inspiration of, like, how could we make this, this property productive? How could we become producers instead of just consumers? And that was kind of the thought that launched what has now become our homesteading lifestyle. So the name of your next book has to be The Accidental Homesteader. I think so. I think you nailed it. Okay. Now, let's talk about what homesteading really is, because as you point out in your book, which is, folks, called Old Fashioned on Purpose, that you can't really call it homesteading so much anymore because the Homestead Act was repealed in 1976. So how do you call it homesteading then? Right. Yeah. I mean, you can still call it homesteading. I I think it gets muddy, that term, because people start to go, well, how did you get free land? And I'm like, well, I I didn't. I wish I did. Um, But I like the the name Old Fashioned on Purpose, I think, because to me, homesteading is really more of an awareness these days. It's living life with an intention. It's asking better questions. It's thinking about what we're doing instead of just mindlessly following the rat race. So I think to me that's what the essence of modern homesteading is in 2023. Now, this doesn't mean for those people who like the idea that you have to give up on anything, because I like you cleverly, I think, mentioned in your book, you still have a Roomba taking care of your floors in your house. So you do have some modern conveniences. You haven't totally checked out. So I guess maybe there's different levels of this. I, I live in just a regular neighborhood and two houses down, they have chickens in their backyard. So in one sense, mm-hmm. I guess it could be that simple, right? Absolutely. Uh, for me, and I think for most folks, it works best to weave the old with the new. And mm-hmm. I think when we can do that and strike that balance, that's where we find the most joy. And that's where our bodies, honestly, um, they, they're the most comfortable. Because a lot of our modern 
conveniences when we're just going strict modern life only, it's kind of a mismatch for our biology. So I think when we weave those old things in and we start to slow down, that's when our brains are happier, our bodies are happier. It feels good. Let's talk about the biology of it then because it's fine, it's very convenient to go to the grocery store and pick up what you need and take it home. But just because it's all prepackaged and ready to go doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you. Right, yes. And I think most people have a a semi-awareness of of processed food and the problems associated with it. It's just not what our bodies are designed to consume. And we can see that in all the lifestyle diseases that are ravaging the nation. Um, And even beyond that, you know, there's something that happens in our brain. There's There's a mental process of when we are using our hands, we're working with um, something that's tangible and real, kneading bread or cutting onions or planting a seed in the garden, it lights up reward centers in our brain and it just feels good. And then you're not going to get those same rewards from tapping a remote or, you know, punching buttons on your phone. Mm. So I think there's it's a really a multifaceted reward when we're, we're cooking. It's going to make our bodies feel better. Uh, it's going to make our brains feel better. It just fits. Do you ever let out like a semi-evil laugh when suddenly we hit inflation, grocery store prices go through the roof, things are in short supply because, let's say, the pandemic hits and you open up your pantry and it's filled with homemade goodies? I mean, maybe not an evil laugh. Okay. But I mean, I, I would. Say, but, right. I would say, you know, the pandemic was a was fascinating to watch what happened and where people started to return to the basics. And, you know, my husband and I were kind of looking at each other going, I felt like we were preparing for this, even though we didn't know we were preparing for it. Like yeah. we had food in the basement. We had, you know, a flour grinder because there was no flour on the store shelves and we had wheat berries. And yeah, so it feels good when the lifestyle that you're practicing just accidentally helps you when okay. culture gets a little tumultuous. Now, as you point out on your podcast, are you still doing the podcast? I am, yes. Okay. So between the podcast and, and the books that you have out, I notice that you're not at all ashamed to say that there's a lot of trial and error in this. Absolutely. Okay. So now let's talk about, if you can think of a couple, a couple of the things that you thought you were doing right, but you ended up stopping and going, you know, I'm completely blown in here and I need to go get help. Mm-hmm. Many, many times. Okay. I think, um, you know, people go, how, how did you experience the success you've experienced or whatever? They see the end of the story, right? And I, yeah. I want to go, you know, you, you didn't see the messy middle where I was flopping around making all the mistakes. Okay. So I think some of my biggest failures have been in the garden. You know, vegetables are hard here in Wyoming, as you, you are well aware. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I brought in mulch. I didn't know it had herbicide on it. I've, ha- I've put manure on my garden, which should be a wonderful thing that had, um, was basically poisoned with chemicals and hurt the vegetables. I've had to re- redo gardens and strip out soils. So if there's a mistake to make, I've definitely made it. Okay. Now, what about those people who look at what you're doing and say, sounds wonderful, sounds even romantic and relaxing? I don't have time for this. Yeah, I hear that a lot. I would say if you're feeling drawn to it, if you're feeling called to it, you probably have more time than you think. It's just about what you're prioritizing. Mm. So you don't have to go whole hog like I am. You don't have to get a milk cow. You don't have to move to the middle of nowhere. But you can cook from scratch once a week. You could plant some herbs in your windowsill. You could start taking those baby steps that are going to bring a little more balance and awareness into your life, no matter where you live and no matter how busy you are. I do notice some people will go ahead and split off with others for help. Like, for example, people that know that will buy share in the cow, 
So they don't have to take care mm-hmm. of the cow. The cow is on somebody yeah. else's ranch. It's being cared for. There's even back when it was illegal to get raw milk in Wyoming, there was a guy who used to call the show who called himself the milk bootlegger because quite literally, yeah. like the old bootlegger yeah. days, he brought in raw milk. But now you can go ahead and do stuff like that. And if you look around, there's farmers markets out there with all sorts of people who would love for anybody to get involved and become a partner in the program, but a partner doesn't necessarily mean all the work that you're doing. Absolutely. And I know that so many of those small producers are so grateful for anyone that supports them. So yeah, if you don't want to have chickens or a cow, you know, get a herd share, go get some eggs from your neighbor, buy some veggies at the farmer's market. That goes a long way and you're still getting a lot of the benefits without having to spend quite so much time uh, growing it. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like mind and body are just a whole lot happier and more relaxed. Now, what was the inspiration for this book? What made you finally sit down and say, I need to write this? Yeah. So I've been teaching in the homestead space online for almost 15 years now. And I know the benefit it has brought me and I've seen the changes in the people I help. I also know, like we've been talking about, not everyone can buy 60 acres in a milk cow in Wyoming. So I was kind of sitting with that tension of going, these principles, they're just not homesteading principles. They're human principles. Mm -hmm. They're what keep us human in a world that's racing ever faster towards this sheer technology. And so I'm like, how can I bring these principles to a bigger audience? How can I stretch beyond the typical people who want a milk cow in a flock of chickens? And so that's how the book was born. I just distilled down the essence of what has changed me the most in our homesteading lifestyle and wanted to make it attainable for everybody. Okay. So the book is called Old Fashioned on Purpose. I do know that there are some available. If they go to Chugwater and they walk into the soda fountain, you have some right there. There have been some pre-orders available online. When does it all arrive in stores? Yeah, it actually arrived last Tuesday. So we are officially up and running. And they can get it at their favorite retailer, local bookstores, preferably, but also Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those places. Okay. Old Fashioned on Purpose is the book, which includes a lot of pictures in the middle of a lot of the work that she's doing, which means you got to make some cabinet space and get into canning and stuff like that, which, by the way, I found that there's all sorts of help groups for this. It's like you guys are constantly having mini conventions and getting together and sharing ideas. Yes, there's homestead conventions have popped up all over the country the last two years. It's amazing. Okay. Old Fashioned on Purpose is the book. Jill Winger is the author of the book. Again, you can pick it up at uh, local bookstores or retailers or find it online by going through Amazon. So that sucker just came on sale. And I've been slowly reading through it. And as I told you, I wish you could have met my mom because the two of you would have gotten along just fine. Although my family never did it to the extent that you're doing but that same idea of, hey, I'm using homemade soap here in the shower. There's something yes. rewarding about that, you know? Yes. She sounds like a visionary. Because yeah. I think a lot of people in her era were not as enamored by that. So I, I right. love that she was pioneering that in a sense. And also, in a sense, we get a chance to try something new and experiment with it and the reward of it. And then finally just relax and breathe. Because, you know, I, tr- trust me, as coming to you from a, a talk show host point of view, world's gone crazy, Jill. We need to relax. Yes. All right. Yep, I agree. Old-fashioned old on purpose. Thanks for coming on this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Glenn. It's always a pleasure. 817. Wake up, Wyoming. Blow off some steam before you face the day at 888-97-WOODS. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 K2 Radio. 822 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Wood. So, yeah, having Jill Winger on just a moment ago, again, she's, among other things, she starts with 
the for me the chug water soda fountain as the new owner of that and fixing that up i did have a friend of mine and talking about jill over the weekend because i just got her book and i was just reading it old-fashioned on purpose he said well if you want to start homesteading you gotta have some money to do that and i should have pointed out at the time but i think i'll later on as she said her and her husband didn't have a whole lot of money and they found a place that was affordable and then after they got an affordable place which was around the Chugwater area, they then looked at it, or she looked at it and said, well, what can I do to make this more productive? Aha, there you go, a productive lifestyle. There was a book that came out. I'd like to write something very similar to it, but updated for more modern times. It was called The Purpose Driven Life. It's having a life that actually has some kind of a purpose to it and a purpose that is not a ridiculous purpose. You know, like, I want to be the guy who eats the most marshmallows. Now, a really good purpose in life. And it doesn't have to be something that brings us all sorts of fortune and fame and so on, but a life that has some kind of a purpose to it. And and being productive is a big part of that. I think that's something that we do miss with a lot of young people today is make sure that their lives have a purpose to it, which is part of what Jill is doing and her husband by working the land that the way that they do, running the businesses that they do. They found some kind of interesting purpose to it. And she's decided to go ahead and teach other people. So when I look at Wyoming, when I interview someone like Jill, I think there's a lot of people in Wyoming and surrounding states that are listening that are thinking, yeah, I already do all that. You you live out west. You know, this is much of your lifestyle. But still, even in western towns, there are people who do not live anywhere near that kind of lifestyle or dependent on the grocery store, for example, and depended on their phones and technology. And so they're disconnected from where we used to come from in this country, where how we used to live. Modern conveniences are great. I don't want to give up my car. Honestly, don't. I like the fact that I can just go to the grocery store and pick up what I want. I like the fact that I can, if I'm, yesterday I was really busy. And I finally thought, man, I am hungry, and I'm really hungry. So I swung into a Subway and got a tuna fish sandwich. I love that I can do that. Oh, let tuna sandwich. There we go, Subway. Boom. Easy to do these days. Some of these conveniences, I'm absolutely not going to give up. But the idea that she has of, yeah, but if you home produce stuff, it's uh, better for you mind, body, spirit. And there is a bit of a resurgence of that. And I remember she does point this out in her book, uh, old-fashioned on purpose, but I, I think she's right. There have been times when there's been a resurgence of going back to basics. And you saw that in, like, the 70s. There was a bit of a resurgence. My mom certainly went through that as well during her lifetime, which was, like, late 70s, early 80s. She was really going through that kind of a phase. We're seeing a bit more of it now, too, because we went through a government shutdown of our economy. Right now, people are, well, media anyways, panicking over the idea of a government shutdown, how that will affect all of us, which really is nothing bad's going to happen. If the government runs itself out of money again and shuts down for a while, it's not a big deal. We've been through this before and nothing really bad happens. But those in media would love you to think that, oh, my Lord, you can't survive. Remember, it was during COVID, the government that shut down your economy. 
things were actually going great that all of a sudden we had shortages, we had inflation, all sorts of problems like this. And it were those people who did at least – you don't have to do a lot of it, but at least a little bit of self-sufficiency that did so much better. And then there were the toilet paper hoarders that didn't make anything better for anybody. I don't know what possessed people to go rushing to the grocery stores and hoard toilet paper of all things. If there's anything during a shutdown of the economy that you should go in a panic and run off and get – it should not be rolls and rolls and rolls of toilet paper. I think we can do just fine without rolls of toilet paper. I will never understand what that whole thing was about. But that's what people went for, which to me was on the one hand funny. But on the other hand, I think showed a real complete disconnect in what exactly do you need to survive? Could you? Even when we have, and this is typical for, again, here out west. I was asking Don Day last hour, weather forecast. We're usually, at some point we will, get a nice big early storm in that will sort of shut things down for a while. During the course of this winter, yeah, we'll get that typical big storm that kind of shuts some things down for a while. People who are used to living out here already have everything ready to go. You know that old Hank Williams Jr. song, A Country Boy Can Survive? That's pretty much what I'm talking about here. And even if you live in an area like you live in, Wyoming doesn't really have cities. Like the city of Cheyenne or Casper or Gillette or not Cody, you know, Jack, those are not really cities. Denver's more of a city. But there's even cities bigger than that. But even people who live in a true city can find ways to do things at home. So at least they're a little bit more self-sufficient and it can survive a bit better when it hits the fan. And from time to time, it will. So anyway, I've been enjoying her book, Old Fashioned on Purpose, is the name of Jill's book. Jill Winger is her name. You can go ahead and find that online or at your local bookstore. Because it's apparently hit everywhere. She said last Tuesday is when it was finally released and came out. And I thought there was, it really did remind me a lot of the kinds of things my mom was experimenting with when I was a teenager at the time. Coming up on some local news. After local news, update on your weather forecast, and you and I get back into it again with a nice long segment of open phones. I'll officially open open phones, which I do every single day, right after news and weather. Then you and I get back into it. 888-97 Woods, the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. So wake up, Wyoming. Six of time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. So every day at some point, I'm going to open up the phones. It's the most dangerous portion of any daily program, but I do it fearlessly. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. 
If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven is the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. We can talk about what I'm talking about, changes the subject. Speaking of changing the subject, I had this lined up ready to go. And then DJ up in Gillette sent me a note and, and this article. Now, let's just get to it right now since she mentioned it. A recent poll of people in France, which you know what I think of polls, they're often wrong, but okay. There are a few little things we can get out of the poll anyway. 41% of the French population favors restricting everyone to only four airplane flights in their entire lifetime. The restrictions go beyond that. From Climate Depot, Mark Moran. This is actually in line with what the French government has been imposing on French citizens. First of all, this poll actually shows that the younger you are, the more you believe this. Almost 60% of adults, 18 to 24, shows you where those student loans are going. That's your payoff there. Believe that there should be a four-flight limit. So the younger you are, the more committed you are. In Back in May, the French government uh, mandated flights of two and a half hours or less be canceled to save the climate. So this is what the French public has been getting indoctrinated in, that flying is evil, we're in a climate emergency, but it goes way beyond that now because there's other countries, Austria, Germany, looking at three-hour flight bans, three hours or less. The EU is looking at flight bans where for, for a train ride that takes under six hours. This is, in Bloomberg News, it said flying, cheap airline flights are now a thing of the past due to climate compliance costs. This is truly, you will go nowhere and be be happy. The public is being severely indoctrinated in this, and they're told that the earth can't handle it unless we radically change our lives, and most of these decisions are being imposed on us. Uh, this is our world if we allow it. This starts from kindergarten, goes all the way through college, and you have the whole youth climate movements. We have kids now in elementary school it's with NASA scientists co-signing with universities, with environmental groups, suing the European governments, the United States government, because essentially our country hasn't gone full Marxist enough to ensure they have a livable climate. So you have young kids claiming that, you know, a flood in their hometown means that fossil fuels cause bad weather. Therefore, they want to sue energy companies. They want to sue governments. And we saw this in Montana. They want to sue governments to ensure that they have a healthy climate, which essentially means top-down control of every aspect of your life. And think about that again. Four flight per life. In a climate emergency declaration, which Joe Biden wants to do, and NBC News said about three weeks ago, Ago, would give him the same powers as 9-11 emergency executive powers and COVID emergency powers. That would literally give climate actors the ability to tell you you can't fly unless it's an emergency. In other words, unless you have a morally justifiable reason was the exact phrase. You can't fly. And some committee would get to decide for you whether they think you should be allowed to fly or not, which is what they're suggesting. Now, I'm not necessarily a believer in polls and the numbers, but here's what I can get out of this. I think he is correct. When you go to schools today, drop your kids off or have your kids picked up by the bus to go to school. When they go to school, this is the kind of stuff that they're taught. And so younger generations tend to believe this. All right. Now, the people that will never be affected by this, and it is true. This is why I call it the cult of climate change. The people that will never be affected are the people at the top of the cult. As I pointed out, there's only one fat man in North Korea. Everybody else is starving. 
if you look at any kind of, that's a cult of personality. And look at any kind of a cult, you find the cult leaders live lavish lifestyles while everybody else is sacrificing everything to support them. So let's take a look at your Barack Obamas, your Bidens, your Leonardo DiCaprios, your Al Gores, et cetera, et cetera. Look at how they live and how they demand that the rest of us live. And if we should suggest at any time, hey, well, if you really believe what you say, why don't you give up those multiple mansions you own, those expensive vehicles, especially the SUVs, and quit flying around on jets? And they get all insulted that we should suggest such a thing from them. So none of them will give up anything to fight this climate war, this climate crisis that we're in. But they expect all of us to give up all of this. And with any cult, it's not just a matter of giving up travel, but it's a matter of giving up property, time, and also your freedoms. They would like to rule over you at the same time. Now, this sounds like tin-hatted conspiracy theory this is the kind of stuff that's coming out of Europe right now. And environmentalists here in America are salivating at the idea and trying to push it on us, which is why there are some states where they haven't done it legally yet, but they're actually trying to ban the internal combustion engine and make us buy electric cars. Now, when Governor Newsom of California signs an executive order banning the sale of new internal combustion engines by 2035, He actually doesn't have the power to do that. He did it on paper as an executive order, but it doesn't work that way. It would take a whole lot more, and even then would it be constitutional. But this is what they're pushing for, trying to follow the way that Europe is doing it to make sure that America does it. But let me give you the good news. Despite everything that you just heard, and this is really something concerning we need to worry about, we need to fight. As I've pointed out in past articles that I've read, but also that I've written, worldwide, the use of coal is up, way up. The use of natural gas and petroleum products is not just up a little bit, but way up. It's not going down at all. We're using more than ever before. So as we should be concerned with those people who would control And we should be concerned with the indoctrination, especially of our kids, and we should fight this, obviously. And and so we will. At the same time, though, when you take a look at who's actually winning the battle, you find that the majority of people don't want to live this way. Worldwide, the majority of people would like to be able to travel when they want to travel. They like modern conveniences. They would like to be able to live the lifestyle that they want. If there's a car they want to buy, they want to be able to buy it and drive it. And they understand, the majority of people, that those things that are supposed to be, that we're told that are good for the planet, are not necessarily good for the planet, as we were discussing earlier today. This is where the good news is. We can get past the media hype. Like recently with the whole media hype over a possible government shutdown and the media is still hyperventilating. What would we happen if the, what, uh, uh, us, we, the, the government shuts down? Oh, disaster. It's a crisis. And yet we know from the last government shutdown, nothing bad really happened. We were fine. Same thing goes for, yes, the occasional flood or tornado and people wonder, is this because of a claiming, changing climate? And yet those of us who have been around long enough understand nothing unusual is happening. 
It's not what the media tells you. It's not what the politician tells you. In other words, there's hype versus reality. And there's really where the battle lines are drawn. 8.45, wake up. When you need to know quicker than the morning paper or the 5 o'clock news, you need Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Mornings on K2 Radio. Eight forty-eight. The time it's wake up, Wyoming. Let's see. I got a note here about the book. The book is called "Old Fashioned on Purpose" by Joe Winger. I'll send you the information. That was Dave and Laramie asking about the book. So, okay. Eight forty-eight. The time. Let's head on over to talk to Frank Gambino, who's over there in the ice box. I know this is going to come as a shock to you, Frank, but I intentionally write a lot of useless articles. Uh, I am not surprised. Yeah. Okay. I've read of. The, I've read them. Uh huh. Um. Waste of time, weren't they? Well, not for you. No, 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 of course not, no. Uh, I have been doing, this is part three of my useless tour across Wyoming rest areas. Okay. I found one that I think, because you are a connoisseur, whether you like it or not, of some of those highway rest areas as you travel. Because you, you got you to go. You got to at some point, yeah. And I think, actually, there's a good one that I found, the Guernsey rest area. Yes. Okay. Now, and that was closed for a while. It was yes. And then and then it's opened. Yeah, that's it. It's right there on right on the side of the road. You can't yep. beat it. You know, it's it's, it's right there. Yeah. Here's how I start my article off. First off, if you're heading south on I-25, and you pull in, it's fun to pull in because the way you have to go under the over you know, the overpass there. Yeah. And fun to pull out too. As the driver speaking as the driver, it's kind of a neat little loop thing. And Wyoming doesn't have any of those. Once you get in there, though, nice, green, good areas to sit down and have a picnic, even though there's the wind there. Then you can walk out. Have you ever walked out to see Laramie Peak and Laramie Range? I've, I've gazed at it. Okay. It is worth, if you want to stretch your legs, and if you have a pet with you, folks, take it. You walk out this nice paved trail, and it goes way out to the edge of the, you're above the interstate at that point. And in the distance, there's a beautiful view of Laramie Peak and the entire Laramie Range. I'm not sure that people actually picnic at rest areas. Do I, they? You know, do they have I like think, barbecues? In no, no, it's still? not like people go out to barbecue. But if you've been driving cross country and you have food with you and you need to stretch and get out yeah, of the yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, that's the place. Yeah. That's where you, and Wyoming encloses them on th- at least two of the three sides facing into the prevailing winds to, as a wind block, the wall is. They're fooling those yes. folks that are yeah, out of state. Yeah. But then, Frank, this is the part that really got me. Yeah. Okay. So they have, as you walk in the door, next time you go into that one, look to your right as you walk in the front door, and you will see an old, we have to say old-fashioned now, payphone. No way. It doesn't work. I was going to say. I was, yeah, <laughs> I tried. I tried. It doesn't work. But you can at least stand there with your kids and bore the hell out of them by explaining, back in my no, day. Yeah, we had to put a dime in that thing, yeah. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys with a huge game coming up on Saturday in Laramie. They'll host 24th rated Fresno State, the defending Mountain West Conference champions. Folks are coming off a 35-26 home win over New Mexico over the weekend. A game they saw John Hoyland kick four field goals and running back Harrison Whaley uh, ran for 191 yards on 18 carries with a touchdown on defense. Safety Wyatt Eckler was named the uh, Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Week. He registered two sacks. The second one, he just tagged New Mexico's quarterback, forcing a fumble. 
And he also recovered the loose ball. It's a pretty good play. UW five and a half point underdogs in the game. That's the 6 p.m. start on Saturday night from War Memorial Stadium. In high school volleyball over the weekend, first on Friday in 4A, Laramie over Campbell County, two sets to none. Thunder Basin beat Cheyenne South, three sets to, three sets to none. Natrona over Cheyenne Central, three to one. Cheyenne East over Sheridan, three nothing. On Saturday, Laramie beat Thunder Basin, three zip. Kelly Walsh over Riverton, three sets to one. Campbell County over Cheyenne South, three nothing. Sheridan over Central, three nothing. And Cheyenne East beat Natrona, three sets to two. In Juco volleyball, Casper College, they've won eight in a row with victories over Western Wyoming and Gillette College over the weekend. T-Bird sit at 17 and nine, which is a big improvement over last season. And they'll be at Eastern Wyoming and Torrington on Friday. The old Triple C volleyball team from Cheyenne read 18th in the country. They beat Northwest DePaul and Central Wyoming over the weekend. The Golden Eagles are 19 and four. They will host Western Nebraska tonight. In Division One college volleyball, the Wyoming Cowgirls started out 11 and 0, then proceeded to lose their first four Mountain West Conference matches, dropping matches to UNLV on Thursday and San Diego State on Saturday. The UW will host rival CSU this evening in Laramie at 6.30. Major League Baseball, the playoffs start today in the wild card round. This is the best of three deal in the National League. Milwaukee will host the Arizona Diamondbacks and Miami will be at Philadelphia in the American League in the wild card round. Texas will be at Tampa Bay and Toronto will be in the Twin Cities to take on Minnesota. That's in sports. So while you're there at the uh, Guernsey area rest stop there. there. Okay. So there's not far away Fort Laramie Register Cliff. Have you been there? I've passed by the sign. Okay, go in. It is actually fascinating. It's sandstone and people not only wrote their names travelers on the Oregon Trail, but directions and other things like that. It's fascinating. In the the sandstone. In the sandstone. Yeah, and also a rancher that used to live there dug into the sandstone. Dug like a... uh, a, t- a, a tunnel, a square tunnel. Mm-hmm. So he could use it in the wintertime. Oh. Yeah. Oregon Trail wagon ruts are there. R- really? Go to uh, Guernsey State Park because it's a canyon reservoir. Wow. Yes, it is totally, you will. I probably passed it a hundred times and yes. never even wanted to go yeah, over there. I all do know. that, right across from the wagon ruts, yes. as you head toward Guernsey on the other side, mm-hmm. is that park. And again, it's a reservoir, but they made a reservoir in a canyon. And so it's just stunning. It's it's a fascinating drive. So there you go, Frank. There's all those things to do right around, probably the best rest stop in all of Wyoming. The rest of them, like you would expect, because their toilets are crap. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Okay. Yeah. yeah, all right. Thank you, Frank. Let's wake up, Wyoming. <laughs> Six of the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. All right, triple eight ninety seven Woods the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. You can talk about what I'm talking about or change the subject. Fine by me. So I'm going to tell a story from the University of Wyoming that has to do with free speech. Got to be careful because it's a Wyoming public media story, and you know, anything with public media, radio, television in general, is biased. Although they like to say that they're not, but they are. So I have to be a bit of a filter, and I'll show you what I mean as I read through this. But here's the story. Headline, University of Wyoming's free speech report won't limit hate speech, president says. All right, so the University of Wyoming, President Ed Seidel, 
will start looking for ways to reiterate the university's commitment to free speech and neutrality, meaning the university is not going to take a stance on any particular issue. Now, so far I look at this and I think, well, that'd be good because many colleges and universities around the country really do. And some of the big ones, the Ivy League schools like Harvard and Yale, free speech is just about dead there. Now, those schools used to be prestigious. I don't see how much they really are anymore, but all right. Back to UW. So the president of UW says he'll be drawing from an 18-page report that was crafted last spring to receive public comments all summer. In a campus-wide email, Seidel said the university is committed to unhindered exchanges of ideas as well as staying officially or staying officially neutral on the most controversial issues. He said, quote, a fundamental principle is that the university plays a unique role by providing a neutral form of deliberation and debate of public issues. He writes, providing such a form does not mean the university either endorses or condemns the different perspectives of expression. Now, so far, so good. Because I'm a huge advocate of that myself. Doing a show like this, I actually like it when people call and disagree. The only thing I ask is, don't be a Dave. Now, by that, for all the Daves out that are listening, I don't mean you particularly. The one particular Dave from San Francisco who calls this program now and then, and I would love to get into a good debate with the guy, but he is just a jerk. And so I hang up on him. But there's plenty of other people who call this program and disagree with me. And we have these really good discussions, which I like. And that's what a university of all things should be about, not canceling. But all right. Sunday said UW will support free expression by acting on the recommendations in this report. Those include reexamining the student code of contact, uh, donor relations, and so on. The report does not rewrite university rules, but it may inspire changes to university policy down the road. During the UW Board of Trustees last month, uh, one trustee, Dave True, said he was worried that the recommendations in the report lacked teeth and that there was no clear mechanism for punishing instructors who otherwise wouldn't stay neutral. What are the consequences? He said, we don't have any consequences. True added he understands tenure protects professors from termination, which is why I would get rid of tenure, by the way, but all right. But there may be other areas such as compensation where the university could crack down instead. He said there are other things besides tenure that might work as consequences for clearly inappropriate behavior. So what happens, in other words, when a university professor is pushing a particular agenda or even suppressing people who would like to answer back. If the professor had a particular point of view that some students disagreed with and they wanted to voice their opposition, could they do so without fear of reprisal from the professor? All right. It's something we have to cultivate. He said, I'm not sure what the consequences are, but free speech has been a hot topic. The story says at UW this year, a recent federal lawsuit pitted free speech protections against other principles as a university espouses non-discrimination. That was when the local preacher Todd Schmidt was banned from tabling in the student union after displaying the controversial table banner 
The banner took aim at a tra- as transgender people and specifically named one UW student. His ban was set for one year, but he sued and was allowed back in. Seidel addressed the lawsuit in the email. He said, it is well known that the U.S. District Judge Nancy Friedenthal recently approved a preliminary injunction requiring the university to allow Todd Schmidt to regain his tabling privileges, University of Wyoming. Uh, Judge Friedenthal's preliminary ruling was that UW infringed on the minister's First Amendment rights and his public misgendering of a transgender student, as they call it. UW did not, uh, in U- at UW, did not constitute illegal harassment. Um, I even debate the whole idea of misgendering, but that's a whole other story. All right. On a related note, Seidel told trustees that much of the public comment on the report criticized it for not taking a stand against hate speech. Well, here's what the, the difference that I say as far as hate speech goes. It's one thing to have a different point of view. A different point of view is not hate. There's a lot of people who completely disagree on things, but that doesn't mean what they're saying is hate. All right. Harassment, on the other hand. So here's a quote. But of course, that is First Amendment right, said Seidel. It's clearly protected under the First Amendment, even though many people don't like to hear that. He, re- he reiterated the point in his email. There are legal limitations to free expressions on campus. But feeling uncomfortable or offended, and in many cases, even feeling unsafe, is not, in and of itself, grounds for stopping speech. So if somebody offers a point of view that is particularly offensive to you, well, then put on your big boy or big girl pants and deal with it. That's part of what I've said for years about living in a free country. You are really fortunate to be here in America, a free country of free expressions, which means if you want to go ahead and say something, you're allowed to say it. And if somebody doesn't like what you're saying, they can certainly debate you, although you don't have to listen to them, but they can certainly debate you. But no one's allowed to shut you down just because they're offended by what you say. They're allowed to say it. That's what living in a free country is. Now, if you would like to live in a country where other points of view are not allowed, countries like that do exist. You're really going to hate it, especially when you want to say something that the government disagrees with and they shut you down. You're really going to hate that idea. So here's the University of Wyoming struggling with the whole idea of free speech, which so far, so good, especially with the judge here in Wyoming saying, no, that minister has the right to put up his table and put up a sign that some people find to be offensive and hand out pamphlets and try to engage people in speech. That's what that whole place is for at the university, is that kind of freedom of expression, including people that you completely disagree with. I would rather see that happen starting here at the University of Wyoming and spread to the rest of the country. Because as I, when I started this, what I was saying is a lot of formerly prestigious universities are not so prestigious anymore because they have com- just about completely canceled free speech. Even though they say that they're for freedom and diversity, their actions show absolutely the opposite of that. 9.15, wake up. 
It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Join the show at 888-97-WOODS. 9.20 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Next guest I have on the phone here. See, the problem is uh, Miss Mary sent me a note on how to pronounce his first name, and she made it worse. Hey, Mr. Beckman, you'll have to help me out here. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good. How are we saying your first name? Vitality. Vitality. I see. I get what she was trying to say now. Okay. You actually stumped Penn and Teller, who I am have always been huge fans of, and you did that on their television show just recently, Foolish, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. It was actually twice on their show. Yeah. Uh, you know, once it was uh, many years ago when they first started their season, mm. and the second time uh, it was during the pandemic. And we did this virtually. I appeared on the show uh, on Zoom. And that was the second time I fooled them. Okay. What kinds of things fool Penn and Teller? I mean, do you have a formula for it by now, what they're not looking for? You know, it helps if you present something they haven't seen before. Yeah. Because then they, uh, they don't know what to expect. And everything I do in my theater show is uh, completely original. And so they don't. You know, they've never seen any of that before, so that can help. Okay. What kind of illusions would you say that you do, if you could describe it to a radio audience? I developed a show that's all about uh, bringing art to life. So things like making uh, paintings come to life, sculptures, drawings come out of the page, paintbrush paint all by itself, dances on the page, things like that. Okay. But I, then I took it further, and I wanted to involve the audience more. So I do a thing where I uh, ask people to take out their driver's licenses, look at their photo, and their photo disappears from their driver's licenses, or change to another state. For example, the, the guy sitting next to them, the, his photo will appear on their driver's license. And, and, and it gets even crazier than that. Okay. Yeah, that would really freak me out if my driver's license photo went away. Then again, I might want to keep it that way. Should I get pulled over next time? Just to prove the police officer. <laughs> yeah. Man, okay. And if you don't like your photo, yeah. you know, then it's a good opportunity to change to, it. To yeah. attempt that. Nobody, yeah. likes your, nobody likes your driver's license photo. So you're doing yes. a public are service Are you allowed here, to right? smile here in Miami? Yeah. Yes, One you are driver. allowed to smile. But still, those things never turn out right. They just don't. No, no. Yeah. And People I look frightened of them think that's intentional anyway okay so it's you're fun. coming speaking of wyoming you're coming to the state of wyoming this is an evening of wonders and it's mm -hmm. going to be in casper wyoming and where are you going to be appearing at it's going to be at restoration church mm -hmm. on october 5th okay that's not far away if you're yes. going to be here on the 5th okay how do people get to see you at the restoration church what are the uh, time and date and do they need to buy tickets Right, so it's October 7th at 7.30 p.m. They can get tickets uh, either on my website, which is vitalimagic.com, so V-I-T-A-L-Y, magic.com, or they can get it at Artcore. Uh, they have, like, a page for it. But if you go to my website, vitalimagic.com, you can get a ticket. Yeah, as well, you can follow me to the other provinces, states and provinces, and uh, everywhere I'll be touring. Okay, so, so this, this uh, Thursday. Okay, so yeah, that's going to be this Thursday, which again, that's not very far away. And say, I'm looking at your website here. Um, 
So, okay, you're, uh, when you appear, can people go online, like your website, for example, and see some of what you do? Yeah, absolutely. They can see it on YouTube, on, the, on my website, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. They can see the Penn and Teller appearances and my performances uh, on Broadway and uh, all around the world. Okay. Okay. That's good. Now, since you've been able to fool Penn and Teller, I assumed you were out there working before then, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So now, has that helped you to get uh, more of a broader audience? I would assume so, since that was a popular show. Yes, you know, it did open doors for me, especially after uh, the first my first appearance of their show. Um, I got to do an off-Broadway show, and right. uh, so that was the first dream come true. And then I ended up performing in Vegas and Singapore and basically, you know, South America and all around the world after that. So it, it really helped me open a lot of doors. Yeah. How did you get involved in this kind of, of a living? Because it certainly is... An unusual job. It certainly is, and it had. Uh, I had to do a lot of convincing for my parents because uh, at first I got a degree in engineering, mechanical engineering, and my you know that's my parents they wanted me to do to have a real job, and I wanted to do something creative, something artistic, and I saw an outlet in magic where I can put all my skills and abilities in, in this art form where you get to create something, design, you can engineer something, as well as um, there's theatrical element. Uh, and finally, because I enjoy performing in front of an audience, you get to do that, you get to share your invention with them. Yeah. And so it kind of puts everything together. This is a puzzle. It really brings it home, home you know? Uh, so it really, uh, it, it was, it's almost like it picked me as opposed me selecting what to do. I had no choice. That's right. How did you come up with these tricks? I, there's got to be a way, for example, that you have learned from other people, but then at some point that's got to give you inspiration. Yeah, when I was starting out, I was watching magicians and illusionists on television, people like David Copperfield and Siegfried and Roy, and that's where I got my first inspiration. I saw something in magic that was more than just tricks and puzzles. I saw that you can perform it as, as a piece of art. It can right. be theatrical. I saw that you can do, you know, mood lighting and choreography and there is comedy and drama. And you can really take it to the same level of art form that you can take dance music. Right. And so that, you know, that uh, inspired me to pursue that. But I did it in my own way. I wanted to because I used to paint as a kid, I wanted to involve art. And so in my show, I do sculpting, painting. Uh, I do things that um, we form things, the drawings with matches. And, uh, of course, people's driver's licenses as well. Mm -hmm. That becomes an art form. Okay. So let's get them to the event. Once again, you're going to be in town this Thursday. So they can go ahead and get their tickets right now. And how do they find you? How do they get those tickets? So they can get uh, the tickets at vitalimagic.com. There is also an Eventbrite page uh, of Artcore, which is artcore.wy for Wyoming.eventbrite.com. Mm. Okay. But it's easier to remember vitalimagic.com. I, I have the link to the ticket site. Uh, they can see the information on the show there. And it's this Thursday at the Restoration Church at 7.30 p.m. All right. Thanks for coming on the program this morning.
Thanks for having me. All right. Coming up on some local news that we have to take care of. And in the last segment of the program, I'm going to have something from Seattle, Washington. See, there was a guy who committed a really horrible crime, and then he was really shocked when the judge wouldn't let him go because Seattle has been so weak on crime that, you know, he thought he was just going to show up and, you know, get talked to by the judge and they were going to let him out the door. And that was it, which happens with most criminals in Seattle these days. But this guy was different and he's just completely, utterly shocked that he might actually have to suffer consequences for his actions. So local news, update on your weather forecast, wake up my own. Take Glenn anywhere with the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on AM 1030 K2 Radio. 9.36 the time. All right, 888 Woods, the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. So let's go to Seattle real quick. Because according to the criminal, this wasn't supposed to happen. Story says Seattle's so woke that the criminals think they run the justice system, and we can prove it, says the author. There was a delicious bit of, well, on the court Thursday, listening to an accused bad guy ask of a judge, why can't I get the easy on criminal treatment that every other bad guy has gotten? Wait, wait, wait I'm going to do that again. He asked the judge, wait. Why can't I get the easy on criminals treatment that every other bad guy has gotten? He asked the judge that. Completely shocked. You're going to sentence me or something like that? The crimes this guy and his five friends are accused of pulling off. Uh, egregious, frightening, says the author. So the six men are accused of following people in several Seattle neighborhoods and attacking them at their homes. So in other words, imagine you're going home and someone is following you home and they wait till you get out of your vehicle and start walking to your door and that's when they jump you. From Como News, K-O-M-O News, six people were charged with firearm or burglary charges in connection to a home invasion, robberies that police said targeted families in Seattle. The prosecuting attorney anticipates additional charges, including potential hate crimes. Because, well, these are black men who targeted Asian men. So they would want to include that as a, use the hate crime law in that case. All right, so one gentleman, I'll call him that. Uh, well, let's go to the police chief. Uh, chief Diaz still can't report if they consider this to be a hate crime, even though all of the 14 home invasions were, again, Asian people. So they consider that to be kind of bizarre. King County prosecutor spokesman told Como News state law is very clear about what needs to be able to prove a hate crime. So we'll take a look at that. Beyond a reasonable doubt. So, wow, nothing gets past these people. He said they'll have to take it into consideration what they had in their minds at the time. That's why I hate, hate I really hate hate crime legislation. Because now you got to figure out what were these people thinking 
when they did it. I don't care. They followed people home. And then once they got out of their vehicles, it turned into a home invasion. So I don't care what they were thinking at the time. That's all I need to know. As an aside, this author says, I'm sure previous sentences will one day be trotted out as proof against the overlords in this case. He says, Como News listened to the names of the five men and charges so far are filed against them. The names of the teams involved and the charges, stalking, attacking, tasing, mostly older people. So they were even making sure to go after older people. These young people went looking for the easiest possible victim. So one was charged with unlawful possession of a firearm being held on 1.5 million bail. Another one charged with two counts of possession of a firearm being held on 1.2. Okay. Uh, three counts of unlawful possession of, here we are with all these firearm charges. A 16 year old was charged with three counts of robbery, three counts of burglary. A single theft charge and is being held in the juvenile detention center while awaiting the judge's ruling. So, one of them, the 16-year-old, I can't get a house arrest? He's really, what, what, you're going to put me in juvenile detention? Why can't I get house arrest? You let people out, he says. You let people get out. The judge said, I'm not letting you out. Well, why not? Why not? Maybe you should be asking your attorney. So here's a young man who's actually shocked, shocked, I tell you, that he wasn't arrested for all of this and then just allowed to go home. I see. Maybe let's see if this will actually translate because I do have some audio here. I'm kind of worried about playing it, but let's see what happens. Uh, house Are you, you let people out and shoot at people get out? Why not letting Why not? Maybe you should ask Mr. Minor why not. Okay, so that was basically, you let people out all the time. Why aren't you letting me out? House, why not house arrest? Why no. Judges throwing him in juvenile detention to the rest of the trial. I do think that there's a point to be made here that this is what happens with a lot of people when you're living in some place like Seattle and San Francisco and other cities like that. They're so lax on crime that when someone actually does not just get arrested, I mean, get arrested all the time, so why you get arrested? You're thrown in jail for a few hours, you stand in front of a judge to let you out, and then you keep doing, doing what you're doing until they arrest you again on something, and it just rinse and repeat, and nobody actually spends any time in jail. There's no consequences. This young man is actually shocked that there's consequences. All right, which shows me that there needs to be, if you want to solve these problems, there needs to be more and tougher consequences. I mean, seriously tough consequences. So people understand, if you follow someone home, which is not okay, and then attack them in their front yard and force them into their own home so you can rob them, which is not okay, society is going to take a bad view of that, to say the least, and you are going to suffer some serious punishment. Because that's not acceptable behavior. Now, if you don't want to deal with that kind of a punishment, some serious punishment, then don't do those things. It's a simple lesson this young man hopefully will learn. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Download the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Listen anywhere and chat live with Glenn during the show on AM 1030 K2 Radio.
9.48 is the time. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Frank, I'm going to relate to you a story, which I had heard an old lady did this back in like the 19, early 1980s. And apparently it still works today. So when you retire, Frank, where are you going? You know what? I don't know. Probably, I, if you would ask me today, yeah. I would probably say Casper. Okay, okay. We today, were, if you ask yeah. me today. We, we here at work, we're all pooling our money together to find a more suitable old folks home for you. But that's another story. Well, okay. no, I mean, it's got to have a, yeah. you know, a wet bar. I'm sure. You know, yeah. water bed. Something like that. Yeah. That's stuff. Okay, yeah. So in other words, what if we just got you a place next to the bar? Well, as long that as I'm within walking distance. Walking distance, yeah. yeah. Or, or walker distance. Or walker yeah, distance, sure. yes. Australian grandparents book 51 back-to-back cruises because it's cheaper than a nursing home. Really? I, I, I've, I've heard that about hotels. Yes. I had the monthly well, rates yeah. at a hotel. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they, they'll change the linens and the whole yeah. nine yards every day. Yeah, it, it would maybe even with room service sure. it's cheaper than yeah a facility. Yeah, yes. Well, in okay, so it was back in the and I want to say early eighties. I'd heard this little old lady who was looking at an assisted living home, and then she looked at they currently have a, uh, a the Queen Mary, you know, one of those. Uh, yeah. Pretty, yeah, and she looked at how much it would cost to cruise the world, and that it they change her linen. Meals are already paid for, so she just goes to the dining hall and eats every night because mm-hmm. it's part of what she paid for, right? Right. And she gets to see the world until one day they notice she didn't show up for breakfast, and they go in there and remove her body. Oh. So that's why she decided way back then, I'm not going to some assisted living home. This retired Australian couple are going to spend a total of 500 days at sea. For how much? Let's see. Uh, so the cost of, we've got to translate this into American money. Let's see. The couple in the ballpark, uh, take up to a year. Okay. So, uh, it looks like a retirement home in Australia costs up to about $500,000. Pretty much. I'm thinking, monthly I, I, fees. I think, I think here, yeah. you start looking at the $7,000 a month right. range. In, maybe four, maybe yeah. more. But instead, so let's start with seven. this cruise liner is going to be about $65,000. <laughs> For 500 days? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, let's like go. That. Yep, let's go. That sounds great. Now, I don't know. I, it doesn't sound like they're on some big mega cruise, like this is not going to be the fanciest, nicest cruise liner ever, but it's still a very nice place. And as you said, everything's taken care of. Yeah. It's the way to go, Frank. And then say the, see the world. Junior College Volleyball, Casper College has won eight in a row with victories over Western Wyoming and Gillette College over the weekend. Birds sit at 17-9. and nine. That is a big improvement over last season. They'll be at Eastern Wyoming College in Torrington on Friday. The LCCC Volleyball team from Cheyenne rated 18th in the country. They beat Northwest DePaul and Central Wyoming over the weekend. The Golden Eagles are 19-4 and four and they'll host Western Nebraska tonight. Division One College Volleyball, the Wyoming Cowgirls started out 11-0 and, and then proceeded to lose their first four Mountain West Conference matches. They did drop a decision to UNLV on Thursday and San Diego State on Saturday in four sets. UW will host rival CSU tonight in Laramie at 6.30. High school volleyball from over the weekend. First on Friday in Class 4A. Laramie
Stormy over Campbell County, three sets to none. Thunder Basin beats Cheyenne South, three sets to none. Natron over Cheyenne Central, three to one. East over Sheridan, three nothing. Then on Saturday, Laramie beat Thunder Basin, three nothing. Kelly Walsh over Riverton, three one. Campbell County beat Cheyenne South, three nothing. Sheridan over Central, three nothing. And Cheyenne East beat Natrona, three sets to two. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys with a huge, huge game coming up on Saturday in Laramie as they'll host number 24 Fresno State in Mountain West Conference play. Pokes are coming off a 35-26 home win over New Mexico over the weekend, so they are 4-1 and one on the year. This is a game where John Hoyland kicked four field goals and running back Harrison Whaley on 191 yards rushing on 18 carries with a touchdown. On defense safety, Wyatt Eckler uh, was uh, named the Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Week after he registered two sacks in that New Mexico game. And the second one, he just tagged the quarterback big time, forcing a fumble, and he also recovered the loose ball. It's a pretty good play. UW five and a half point underdogs in the game. That's a 6 p.m. start on Saturday night from War Memorial Stadium. Major League Baseball, the playoffs begin today with the wild card round. This is the best of three deal in the National League. Milwaukee will host Arizona. Miami will be at Philadelphia. In the American League in the wild card round, Texas will be at Tampa Bay and Toronto will be at Minnesota. That's it in sports. So the next UW game is a home game. Yep, Friday. Yeah, Saturday. Excuse okay. Me. That's a, it, Saturday what? night. Saturday night. Saturday night fever. Okay. Uh, so, okay. Weather forecast so far looks good for Saturday night. Have we had several home games in a row? Or is it well, just what they they try to do yeah. is front load Wyoming schedule because we know what the weather is in yeah. November. Right. So okay. let's let's try to give these guys a fighting chance here. Sure. By playing as many home games as you can when right. the weather is decent. Uh, when, when the weather is suited. Okay. That, not, that makes total sense here. So there's a strategy to when they book the home games. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the league does all the scheduling, but they, they probably right. would say, can you give us a break here and have some, you know, some games when the weather's decent? And, and, and the other thing, too, is yeah. not just the game. I mean, the teams have got to get there. Sure. So... That's yeah. it, it, tr- trust me. There, there's been uh, adventures of the visiting team that will go down in okay. history. We'll have to have that talk one of these <laughs> days. All right. Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business web take care. We're going to roll into news time after that national local update on your weather forecast. It's Wake Up Wyoming. <laughs>